This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Well, welcome back to another episode of Parker's Pensies. This is a podcast where we explore thoughts in philosophy, theology, nature, and life. I love thinking about cool stuff, so come think with me. Uh, shout out Patreon, shout out uh, YouTube, everyone who's supporting. You guys are the best. Please keep doing that. Please give me a, a good review, five-star review, and a comment at uh, Apple Podcasts. Uh, I'm getting getting better at my little pitch, uh, getting quicker, so that we can get to the good stuff with you guys. Today, I'm really excited. I have another special guest. You guys always hear that. I always say special guest. They're always special. I, I don't know what else I'm supposed to say. I have really awesome guests. Uh, today, I have with me Cameron Bertuzzi. Uh, many of you will know him from Capturing Christianity. Uh, I'm not going to do an intro because I want to talk to him so bad, so I'm just going to bring him right in. Cameron, thanks so much for coming on the podcast, man. Yeah, man. I'm I'm so happy to be here. For so many reasons, you don't you don't even know Parker. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. Uh, yeah, I've been watching your stuff and I love it. Like you are my new favorite YouTuber. Wow, dude. I, That's I don't know crazy. how that makes you feel, but that makes yeah, you feel really no, good. I, yeah, I, I know you're probably wanting to talk about me, but I, I want to talk about like, dude, your your interview style is great. The people that you have on the topics are amazing. The conversations are like you, you basically just have conversations with people. And I also feel like since you are currently like you're stu- you're currently in school, mm-hmm. is it for a philosophy or is it theology or is it both or what? I'm working on two uh, theology uh, degrees, but I wish I was doing philosophy. So I, I read all the philosophy at this. Yeah, dude. So, well, anyways, the, the point that I'm making is that it's obvious that you like, you know what you're talking about and, but you don't do it in a way that's like, I don't know, too, too, uh, I can't think of the term. It's not too intellectual, but you can just, I don't know. I just, I love it. I, I love <laughs> your, your channel. And you and I were talking a little about how you needed to, to create a new one yeah. apart <laughs> from all of your, like, you're really cool. Like, tur- you know, uh, fr- I was going to say turtle, but like fra and uh, what I did you call it? Like, what? Yeah. Parker's, okay. It's, it's like Parker's swamp, man. It's like this, this whole new Parker's thing. Swamp. Right? That's a good yeah. one. Yeah. Well, Dude, people people may may not know about that, but I got a bunch of awesome videos on this channel that you're watching now, and they have like two three views because I had to move them all over from my other channel because because Cameron's like, bro, you can't keep the frogs and the philosophy together, and I was I was like, he's right, dang it, don't be right, just don't be. <laughs> I have all these subscribers on this other channel, and they weren't watching my philosophy stuff. I thought I could bring them over. They weren't watching any of my stuff anymore. So you were right, man. Yeah. 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 With YouTube, it's, uh, and we'll probably talk about, I think you want to talk about YouTube yeah. a little bit later, Yeah. but yeah, YouTube just makes a little bit more sense to keep a, a channel dedicated to kind of like one, one type of content. You can do a yeah. lot of different things with like philosophy. You can do a lot of things with uh, your like aquarium style videos, but you've got to, I mean, those, those are just so different that it, right. it, it just made a little bit more sense to have too. Yeah, dude, you're right. I mean, 
I was mad that you're right, but you are. Uh, I got to confess something to you, dude. So, so I've been watching okay. your stuff since you probably came out with like your first couple of videos and I would be, I'll be like begrudgingly watching them. Like Cameron, dang it. But, but your stuff was so good <laughs> that I couldn't help but watch. And I was like, I don't know. I was probably jealous too. But at that time I was really like anti William Lane Craig and you oh. love him. So I was like, dang dude. Yeah, I love him. And, um, as I've warmed up to Craig, cause I've had, I've had to read this stuff, but then I read it. I'm like, dang, he's, I don't agree with like Cerberus and the Trinity kind of stuff, but I know what he's doing and he's really good at what he does. And his breath of, he's, he's amazing. He's an amazing guy. As I warmed up to him, I was like, Hey, wait, Cameron's actually doing some really good stuff. And, and wait, Cameron's actually turning into like a thinker himself. Wait, dang it. And then, so I was like, bro, I need to just have Cameron on and talk. And then as I invited you, you're like, dude, can I help you with your YouTube? And I was like, dang, dude, what a jerk I am that I ever like didn't that I was ever begrudging to you. So I just want to confess that, man, that like you're awesome and I love you. And uh, I got a whole new perspective on you and Craig. So just just wanted to, to let you know that. I don't really know what to say to that. Uh, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> you're doing you're doing such like important I know people say important work too much, but actually like, your channel is really, really important for apologetics. But even more than that, like people will talk about the Grim Reaper paradox on your right. channel and stuff. And it's like, where else am I going to get that? Now people will because they saw your channel yeah. and they asked those guys. Mm -hmm. And now the conversation's happening. But your conversations are actually really important for philosophy in general, for philosophical theology, and then for apologetics. So I love it, man. So I just wanted I to acknowledge that, that even when I didn't, when I was like begrudgingly watching your stuff, I still had to watch it because your channel is so good. Yeah. Yeah. Well. So <laughs> sorry if that's awkward, man, but I had to get that off my chest. Um, it's all good. So, so I wanted to get in, I'm probably going to title this like capturing Cameron or something. I hope no one else has done that. It's kind of cliche maybe, but I wanted nope. to get into like, the, oh, that's good then. Um, the, the background, like, why did this start? I think I know why it started. I, I mean, I've watched a lot of your videos, but um, people at home might not know. And maybe I have the story wrong. Right. How did it start? So the YouTube channel? Yeah. Well, I like, guess the, the Endeavor, because it started as a blog, I think, right? Yep. Yep. Started as a blog. Yeah. And I, so I'll start at the, the kind of beginning. So my brother became an atheist about eight, nine years ago. And uh, I met with him, we talked and it didn't go well. It was, it was the opposite of a good conversation. So, but after that, I decided I was like, okay, look, I need to like really learn if there's any good reason to think that Christianity is true, and also like learn some things to know how to respond to him. And but but after that point, like I, I went on my own journey into philosophy and theology and apologetics, and I just started to learn more and more and more. And then I would have more conversations with atheists. So I, I wound up eventually over at the Reasonable Faith forums. Mm -hmm. Dr. William Lane Craig's website. He's got a forum there. And I was at, so I had been looking, uh, ever since I came in contact with Dr. Craig's work, I was looking for some place to like discuss apologetics with atheists. And mm -hmm. I, everywhere that I looked, it was like conversations were really bad. They weren't very good. Mm -hmm. The people were just vitriolic. They didn't know the philosophy and they, they didn't seem to take this stuff seriously. And they just weren't very good at, at doing it. And so I was like, okay, let me let me try to find a place. And so I eventually came to the, the Reasonable Faith Forums, and the atheists there were like a breath of fresh air. Hmm. They were great to talk to. They were formidable. They were intelligent. A lot of them were nice. And it was it was just like, it was a, 
a gold mine for me to like practice out some of the apologetics, see if any of these arguments, if they're actually good, test them against these really smart atheists who didn't find them convincing. Yeah. So after I did that for a while, I was like, okay, look, I, cause I was, I was like obsessed with it. I was like every single day I was on this forum talking to atheists. Yeah. Like not just every day, like up at night, like it would wake me up <laughs> in the middle of the night and my wife would be like, get off your phone. And I'd be like in the middle of the night trying to like, you know, Dude, write this response to this. To my this wife's going to be cracking up hearing this because I was the same exact. Well, I, he responded again. Just it, one more. Yeah. Just one more. Yeah. yeah just yeah. leave me alone. Just like to put the pillow over <laughs> your important. face. And it's for the gospel. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Or well, really, it's more about your insecurities. Totally. But, yeah, uh, it really is. So, yeah. so I, after that point, so I just, I was like, okay, look, I'm super passionate about this now. Now that I've kind of discovered this whole new world of, of things that I didn't know existed. So I wanted to get more into it and I decided, okay, look, if I'm going to be spending all of this time writing all of this stuff in response to atheists and like coming up with my own ideas and everything, I was like, it's probably good. Like if eventually if I maybe want to write a book or do something in it, apologetics related, it'd be good to practice my writing in some way. So right. I decided to start this uh, blog. It was, a, it was initially a blog and I, uh, after some like thinking about what am I going to title this thing, I decided to embrace my identity of what I was. I was a photographer, a full-time photographer. So that that's where the name came from, Capturing Christianity. Mm-hmm. And then it started out as a blog. And eventually I was like, you know, it kind of makes sense like as a photographer to have a YouTube channel. So I started one and then I started to, to post little videos here and there, not really taking it seriously. But then uh, probably two years ago, I think it's almost exactly two years ago, I did a collaboration with Mike Winger and John McRae. John mm-hmm. McRae is What Do You Meme? He's got a, a really popular apologetics YouTube channel. And so I did a um, a collaboration with them. And then from that point on, my, my YouTube channel just started growing like crazy. And now it's where it's at today, which I think last I checked, it's like 86,000 subscribers. Yeah. So it's growing like crazy, but it's just, uh, I, yeah, I guess that's that's kind of the, the backstory of why it started and yeah. why it's here. Well, so what, what, uh, what year did it, did you start with YouTube? 2015 or? YouTube 2016, uh, 2017. Okay. Is when I started my YouTube channel. I started the, the blog in 2016 of October okay. and then I, I created the YouTube channel in uh, I think January of 2017. So just a few months after that. And then the first thing that I hosted actually was a, a like a panel discussion between a bunch of different atheists and Christians on the evolutionary argument against naturalism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had just listened to to a back and forth between uh, Tyler McNabb and Stephen Law on reformed epistemology. And mm-hmm. Stephen Law or uh, Tyler, I like was really impressed with him. And I also found out that he lived in Houston where I yeah. live. And I was like, hey, I need to like hook up with this guy. And so anyways, we, we, I, I hosted this dialogue between all of these different people. And I loved that. I was like, Hey, look, I could kind of like do this regularly. Like at least once a month, it's not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a time commitment to do like, you know, set aside a couple hours a month and do these, these things and kind of be like the American version of unbelievable, which That's I right. couldn't get enough of at the time. I was yeah. like, I, I need more of these discussions. And there were some things like I wanted to change. Like every time I would listen to an unbelievable episode, I'd be like, man, I really wish they wouldn't take 15 minutes on introductions and just like, you know, kind of shooting the breeze and yeah. introducing these different people, which is, you know, it's good to do that. It's radio, what I right? wanted, yeah. I wanted like, get immediately to the content. I don't care about introductions. If I like what they're saying, then I'll care about introductions or then I'll care about like who this person is. 
And that's, I guess that's kind of selfish when I'm saying that out loud, but (laughs) I wanted, I wanted something where it was content focused and you didn't have to worry about these breaks in between stuff. And so I was like, Hey, this, this might be a a fun thing. And I still do those. I still host discussions between Christians and non-Christians. And that's one of my favorite things to do actually. So, yeah. Well, dude, I wanted to ask him, I'm glad you went there because I wanted to ask you, um, Initially, I, I said like, yeah, I was, I was there's some animosity or whatever from me towards you, which you didn't even know I existed or whatever. But it was because because I'm a pre-supper because I got into that whole thing and there's this whole online beef and stuff like that. But as I started working on my own thing, like that was that was a while back. Like I, I've been been loving you for a while here, but <laughs> I realized like I don't want to do what you do. I don't want to host uh, debates like that. And you're you're uh-huh. a brave man for doing that. I wanted to ask you about your personal like psychology like what's going on in cameron's head when you have these dudes who are giants going back and forth and Mm. sometimes the atheists make way better points than some of the theists that are on like what what Mm -hmm. happens to you what do you what are you thinking when that happens i'm i'm normally thinking i guess it it would depend on the video but i'm normally thinking like yeah there's probably someone else who is is better suited to respond to this yeah uh, or like, I, I didn't really anticipate how this matchup was going to work out in the end. I yeah. mean, I remember having, uh, I don't, I don't want this to come off the wrong way. There was a, there was a, a guy or two, two guys that I, that I hosted a dialogue between and the philosopher, like I posted, I basically pitted a philosopher against a really popular atheist, okay, like YouTuber or whatever mm-hmm. else. And, uh, I was thinking like, this was a great opportunity to like expose some good philosophy to, you know, a huge atheist online community and everything. And at one point I was just like, this was probably not a good idea. Uh, they, they just, they talk different languages. Yeah. Like it's, it's just, it, it wasn't as good as I was hoping that it would have been, mm-hmm. but I, I don't honestly, I don't get in a situation where I'm like, man, this guy's making all of these points that I, you know, I personally can't respond to. I've grown pretty comfortable with my own worldview at this point. Yeah. So a lot of these things that like come up, I don't get a whole lot of anxiety about them anymore. Whereas when yeah. I was first starting out and kind of looking into things for the first time, you know, I would, and I would try to work through things, but it doesn't really happen that often anymore. Even if someone is, you know, if, if a formidable atheist comes on the channel and, and makes some point, it's not something that's like really going to affect me, uh, doxastically. Hey, so. that's good, dude. Uh, that's, that's cool. Cause you've, you do it and, and you're, I think that's a real sign of maturity. And uh, but I also, I also just love, I mean, this is going to sound cliche and a lot of yeah. atheists like don't think that this is a thing, but I just, mm-hmm. I love truth. So if, if anyone like makes a point and I think about this a lot when it comes to criticism, if someone criticizes your argument and it's a good criticism, then you've got a great opportunity to like grow in right. knowledge. You can right. accept something true. You can acknowledge that your argument wasn't, wasn't as good as it as you thought it was. And so that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, if it's a bad criticism and it doesn't apply to your argument or if it's a bad argument and it's just, you know, that on in that case, then it, it still shouldn't bother you because right. then you're, you know, you're, you still, it, it's, it, it's a bad argument. And so what yeah. are you, what are you supposed to do with that other than just like throw it away? So that's, that's kind of the, my, my approach to criticism these days is to like, think about it in terms of truth and that's what that's ultimately for me what it what it's about. And I know that like everybody has bias, including atheists and Christian. Like everybody deals with bias. I try to deal with it as best that I can. And but that's that's what I try to keep at the forefront of my mind is that yeah. like it's not really about winning a point or making myself look good or like 
it's really about truth. And, and if in, in these cases, if the argument is no good, then I want to be able to be brave enough to give it up too, if, it, if it's a good point or whatever else. So, it, so yeah, that's my general approach these yeah. days. Well, and I appreciate that. Cause you're, you don't, you don't jump in and go, yeah, but what? And you're not trying, you're not, you oh, can there tell are definitely that you're not times. Yeah. There are times where I'm like, man, this guy had a really great opportunity to, yeah. to say this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I, but I, I've just got to be like, okay, look, it's not, I'm not, I'm not in this debate because other, at other points I'm like, man, that was a good, I don't know how to respond to that. Right. And so, but so, and, and I don't want to jump in at those points. I only want to <laughs> jump in when I've got like something to say. <laughs> that's, so that's right. I try to keep that in mind too. It's like, it's not a, it's not the Cameron Bertuzzi show, which is actually something I love about the ministry is that it's not the Cameron Bertuzzi show. It's yeah. I know you're going to call this uh, capturing Cameron or whatever, but mm-hmm. that's that's one of the things I love about about mine, and I think the same the same about yours is yeah. that you're interviewing these these different people who are doing important stuff, and mm-hmm. that's what I that's what I I I'm hoping to do is is expose the world, or at least a small portion of the world to uh, to some really important work that's being yeah. done, and that a lot of people just don't even know exists. Right. Man, that's the same kind of impetus for me because I would, I was having these conversations anyways. And I thought, well, we need, like other people need to hear this stuff. Or I'd talk to my professor and he would talk about like nested speech act theory. And it's like, has anyone ever talked about nested speech acts? Like a speech act within a speech act? And he's like, I don't know. This might be original. I'm like, well, why don't, come on to YouTube, dude. Like, let's talk about that. Four people are going to read that in a journal. But like, I want other people to know that you're kind of a huge deal, dude. Like, let's go. And yeah. uh, some, sometimes it takes some prodding, but it's a similar thing to you. It's, it's, I didn't understand your, your, uh, capturing Christianity. I, at first I was like, is he an atheist? I don't understand. Is he capturing? But then I understood once I found out about, I listened some more and I was like, that's exactly what we want to do. It's exactly right. Like let's, there are smart people. Let's put this out there. And, exactly. Uh, yeah. I appreciate that. Um, I wanted to talk about your progress because I mean, I've seen it. I don't know if, uh, I'm sure you've seen it in yourself. Maybe you're too humble to say it or anything, but you've grown as a thinker yourself, just interacting. And I'm sure, you, I mean, you've been reading their stuff. You've been thinking through. Uh, have you grown theologically as well? Have, have you moved uh, any positions in your theology since you started this journey here? <coughs> yeah, that's a good question. So right now I'm like actively looking into Catholicism. Mm-hmm. And so that's like a big area for me of like, of just personal interests right now. And, and there's like a whole Catholic community that is like trying to get me converted. So I'm <laughs> no, like, I've got, a, yeah. I've got a bigger, like a growing shelf up here behind me of just like Catholic books. And my wife calls it Catholic propaganda. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> so that's something, that's something I'm currently looking into. I, I feel like I've, I've gotten a little bit more solid in some of the things that I believe, but as I like I've done some of these debates with Matt Frad, who Matt yeah. Frad is a, is a, he's a Catholic apologist on, on YouTube. And he's, he's also just become a, a good friend of mine. Yeah. And uh, I've done debates with him and every debate that I do with him on some topic that's, that sort of divides Catholics and Protestants, then I'll come down on like some view that I've got about that. And I just try to use like the same kind of stuff that I've learned, the same kind of methods that I see philosophers use. Like when I read Alvin planning it for the first time, I was like, this is the way to like think about something. Hmm. This is the, like to really uh, take seriously what the other person is arguing and then like break it down on a level that they hadn't thought of themselves and then yeah. like show systematically why, you know, their arguments fail. Stuff yeah. like, like I, I try to bring that into the stuff that I do and debates that I do myself, which I'm currently in a debate, as you probably know, with Stephen yeah. Woodford, atheist YouTuber. 
So I, I, I try to incorporate a lot of this into like my own thinking, but with uh, theologically, I would say those are the kinds of things that I'm kind of thinking through right now. Uh, I, there was one thing that I, I'd never anticipated believing or holding, which was annihilationism. And I'm, I don't say that I'm like a huge annihilationist, but I do lean toward that being the correct view of what the, the Bible teaches about the end, uh, about the end times, about hell. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I, I just did not anticipate that happening. I even, like, I initially started to defend the view because I was in some debate with an atheist and they were arguing against the truth of Christianity by assuming the traditional view. And I was like, no, look, there's other defensible views. And then as I like started to look in, okay, how defensible is this? Yeah. I eventually became convinced that this is the right view. Hmm. Uh, and I'm not, again, it's, it's more tentative with yeah. annihilationism, but yeah, that that's a view. I suppose if, if I were to give an example, that that's a view that I just did not anticipate holding theologically, but now I find myself pretty much drawn to. Yeah. Well, so I, I think I heard this from uh, your conversation with your brother. Did you, you guys grew up in a charismatic or was it Pentecostal? I know it's similar, but in, charismatic. in a charismatic church. Okay. Very Did, charismatic. Yeah. Has, has that changed? Are you still pretty charismatic yourself or? Uh, no, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm very charismatic. We're actually in between churches right now. So we're trying to find uh, another church and the whole Catholic thing has me confused too. I'm like, do I even need to be looking for a new church? Or like, I, so I'm, I'm just theologically, I'm very, 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 very confused right now. So I don't, I, but I wouldn't say that I lean towards like the charismatic type of stuff that I like. So I've got an episode. Um, I think it's on the YouTube channel. It could have been on the podcast. It for sure is on the YouTube channel about tongues and like how a lot of people have misinterpreted what tongues is. And that's like a big thing in charismatic circles right. is talking yeah. in tongues. Mm -hmm. And so I've, I've kind of gone away from that view and yeah, I would, I just, I like, I actually think that the model that I like is, uh, have you heard of Michael? He yeah, I'm sure you've heard of Michael Heiser. Yeah. My brother had him on his podcast. Yeah. Oh yeah. There you go. Uh, mm -hmm. Heiser has like, a, he's got a podcast called the naked Bible and mm -hmm. I really like how they just basically, he approaches everything from like a non, I, I want to say non-denominational standpoint. It's just like, mm -hmm. he's not assuming any kind of, he's not assuming Catholicism. He's not assuming Protestantism. He's just like looking, what does the Bible actually teach about this particular subject? Yeah. And so that's, I guess kind of the approach that that's more the, the like idealized approach of what I would like to be able to do if I had yeah. time to just like sit down and think through everything that I believe about theology, but yeah. yeah, I would say that's a really long way of just answering that. Yeah. I don't, I don't really know, but I don't lean toward, uh, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not charismatic anymore. Yeah. Okay. No, that's cool, man. It, it's really, these are all the questions I have when I watch your stuff and I'm like, I wonder where he's at. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, I'm that's, sorry. It's kind of, it's probably underwhelming. I mean, the, theologically, like I'm not as solid as I am on, at least on some philosophy. So, yeah. Well, dude, it, it's kind of a, it's kind of a thing, right? It's kind of like, that's kind of become a split where it's like, there's like, there's like the apologists and there's like the theologians. And sometimes the theologians will say, well, the Bible says this, and this is how you reach culture. And the apologists are like, well, you know, I'm doing this every single day. I think I know how to reach culture pretty well. And there's like this kind of beef that happens. And, uh, that's part of, part of one of my goals is, uh, I would want to, I just want to bring people together and talk and like, mm -hmm. let's figure some stuff out. Yeah. Apologists need to get better at theology and theologians need to get better at philosophy and culture and philosophers need to get better at explaining their stuff in fun ways so people can understand and be interested. Mm -hmm. And 
I don't have all the answers at all, but I'm just trying to grasp it and pull everyone together here. So, yeah, I think we're in a really unique situation with uh, YouTube and the the sort of information age that we're in right now. It's like there's people are interested. They, they want to hear they, and all of this is very new. It's like what I'm doing now wouldn't have been possible, you know, just 20, 30 years ago. So I think that we've got, we've got a very unique opportunity to, to really, um, play around with with a lot of these really cool ideas. I mean, it, it play around in the sense of like just pull someone on and have yeah. them talk and it can have a it can have the a, you know, a huge influence. I I just uh did not anticipate this either. I interviewed a a Catholic priest an exorcist yeah, dude. and that's like that's like the biggest it's YouTube, gigantic. the biggest view. it's ridiculous. It's like yeah. almost at 700,000 views right now. Yeah. I had no idea that was going to be. But it's just like anything can take off mm-hmm. and I think it's worth like I, I mean if this is something you're passionate about, you think it's you know about getting uh, information out there and truth and and all of these these valuable things, then like why not? Right, bro. That's funny because I, I I did see that and I was like, man, that's his biggest video. That's crazy. My brother's one of my brother's uh, biggest videos is uh, that's a Think Institute for anyone. I never mentioned that on the podcast. My brother has one as well, and uh, his biggest one is with Michael Heiser, and it's on demons. And my brother's mm. like, dude, YouTube loves demons. They love, they, they love, love about it. Them. they just eat it up and they love frogs. Apparently like they yeah. love my stupid frog video. That's my legacy to the world, which is really sad, but maybe this <laughs> podcast will, will do it. That'd be huge. Well, it's a little bit more important than uh, frogs <laughs> eating mice. That's right. That's right. Um, well, dude, I, I wanted, so has the trajectory of capturing Christianity like changed I in my head it started out because you wanted to you wanted to argue with your brother not argue you wanted to convince your brother you want to bring back to the faith really noble thing and maybe it wasn't maybe that was just my conception of mm-hmm. capturing Christianity but first of all I guess was that your conception and whatever your first goal was has it changed at all since you've been in this process yeah so it was not the a point of of doing it originally so okay. I, I initially my point of doing like I would try to talk to my brother about apologetics all the time, like mm-hmm. any any opportunity that I could find a place in a conversation. If I had like two seconds of downtime with him, yeah. I'd try to like talk to him about some argument or talk to him about something apologetics related. Soon, I I found out very quickly that was like not the way to go about things. Mm-hmm. And it was also like as I reflected on it more, I was like, this is not the way to like have a relationship with somebody. And it's like it's if I. Cause it was, it was like, I was trying to get something out of him every time. Right. So it wasn't really like a love relationship at all. It was me just trying to get something from him or like, or prove something to myself or, you know, it's just, it was, that's the kind of situation that I was in. So eventually I was like, I discovered that that's not how I should do things. And I think I discovered that probably a couple of years before I started capturing Christianity. So capturing Christianity okay. was, was mainly about just like kind of developing myself and, and bettering myself as either a writer or a speaker, or I had actually attended a conference, uh, probably a couple year, maybe one year before I started capturing Christianity. It was an apologetics conference and I had already been like involved in apologetics in terms of like the forum that I was on and then watching other people and, you know, William Lane Craig and all these other people on YouTube doing these debates. Mm. So I was, I was very aware of apologetics, but when I went to my first conference, I was like, man, that is what I want to do with my life. Like that right there. And, uh, so after, I think probably a few months after that, I started the the blog and I was like, okay, it's probably time to get serious about this. Cause I was just so obsessed with it. Like photography. I, I love photography. I really like, even now, like I, I took some pictures the other day 
is I, I went out and visited with Matt Fratt again, mm-hmm. and I took some pictures of like his friends, and I love that. I, I really, really enjoy photography. But when I was like doing photography, the thing I was thinking about was apologetics. Right. It, was about, it was all philosophy and, and all of that. And so I was like, okay, look, this is this is probably what I need to like get serious about and maybe turn into a career. And so that's that's kind of like why I started capturing Christianity. The thing that I would say to answer your second question, the thing that I would say has changed from the beginning is that it started out as a blog and I never intended it to be like a YouTube channel or like that to be the main thing, but that's for sure what it's turned into. Like I don't write anymore. I don't try to put it any, well, I guess I do write, but I, I write like scripts for videos. Yeah. So, but that's, that's like the focus now is all YouTube and creating video content. And I, the reason for that switch is because I was like, my my uh, website was getting at the time, and I think this was probably like uh, m- maybe a year in- into having the the ministry of the website, and mm-hmm. it, my website was getting like, I'm trying to remember the actual numbers, but I think it was around five to 6,000 views a month. Okay. And I was like, this is pretty good. Like that's, that's for apologetics, for an apologetics website that's just like blogs about random stuff, like right. that's pretty good to me. Yeah. And- Eventually, I was like, but on YouTube, they're getting like thousands, hundreds of tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of views. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and you have the opportunity to get paid to do it. And I was like, okay, this just makes a little bit more sense. And my background's in photography and in video. And so I know all the lighting. I know how to do the, you know, it just made so much sense to do that. So that's how it transitioned from like a more of a blog type thing to what it is now where the focus is now just on creating videos. And that's, that's what I spend all of my time doing now. Yeah. Well, so uh, with the videos, man, um, I think I, I most knew you from hosting debates. Cause it was like, mm-hmm. I can't miss this one. I can't like the, the people he has talking and the conversation it's on is amazing. I have to watch this is the focus. Um, is it still on that? Cause you, you mentioned how uh, you're influenced by premiere or, um, uh, unbelievable, unbelievable on premier Christian, premier Christian radio, uh, <laughs> premier podcast. That's the, that's the best part of the podcast. I love that. Um, uh, <laughs> is it still like focused on let's get these debates together or is it broadened out? You know, how, how has that changed? I would say it's about the, the majority of my content that I produce is more focused on interviews. So mm. I try to set up like a one-on-one with another philosopher or sometimes theologian. My my stuff is more toward uh, philosophy and, and atheism because that's kind of like what I'm most interested in right. just naturally. And I think partly because of my, you know, experience with my brother and everything. Mm-hmm. So I, but right now I would say the majority of the things that I produce are interviews yeah. on some topic. Uh, today I actually did a, a marathon episode where I was, I was paired with Andrew Loke and Andrew Loke, if you don't know, he's a philosopher out in Hong Kong, mm-hmm. one of the most like brilliant Christian philosophers to come on the scene recently. He's, he's really, really cool. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's a ton of things to love about him, but he and I just did a, a marathon stream where he was responding to an atheist who had responded to something that he and I had produced together. Mm-hmm. And that, so that, that's the kind of thing that I, that I do now is like an interview, like a kind of one-on-one situation. Yeah. And I try to shoot for doing like, uh, dialogue or debate one to two times a month. Okay. So as as often as those sort of come about organically, or as I think about doing something, then I'll try to put one of those together. But those are not the main focus. The main focus is 
uh, these interviews, which I do at least two times a week. I try to put out a video twice a week. And that to me is already like too much content for a lot of people because my videos average out at about an hour or like a little bit more than an hour. And I like people have already told me like, that's just too much content, which is what's weird is that today on the, in the marathon stream, which was three and a half hours, by the way, Mm -hmm. there were people saying like, I love this marathon. I want it to go an hour longer. And I was just like, I don't understand. Like, dude, I don't get it either, man. I just, I just don't get it. Cause I put out three like, and it's too much. I know it's, I know it's too much. It's too much, but I'm like, eventually you'll watch them. I think probably. But also like Joe Rogan, well, just watch Joe the ones Rogan. that are interested in. Right, right, and that's what a lot of people have said. But you know, Rogan does three-hour ones, and I'm no Joe Rogan. I get it, dude. But we're talking about really interesting stuff. So like, right. you should, if you like Joe Rogan, you should like this kind of stuff. You know, so I'm still wrestling with that, and, and you've been a huge help in in all of this anyway. So that's been uh, which, I, and I plan to do more too. By the way, you and dude, I will talk about that after. You're the man. I love that. Um, Cameraman, I, so talking about apologetics, um, and you've obviously studied a lot. You you were studying years before you even started this thing. Do you have a set like methodology that you're comfortable with? Or are you more eclectic and saying whatever works, I'm following the truth that this one works too? Or, or you say like, this is kind of the method that I like and this one fits what I think the truth is. Does that make sense? No, I'm not. I'm not really sure what you're getting at. Okay. What do you mean by method? Are you like well, so, asking how I think through things or what? No. Well, some some dudes. When I was into apologetics, I moved. I kind of moved on from apologetics to philosophy and theology because I realized that I would get my lunch just eaten because the guys that I admired were all philosophers and theologians, and mm-hmm. I didn't want to get destroyed. So I was like, I need to know my theology and my philosophy, but. When I was super, super into apologetics, just as apologetics, it was like, I am a presuppositionalist, or I'm a Clarkian presuppositionalist, or I'm a classical, or I'm an evidentialist, um, or I'm reformed epistemologist, you know, and, and so there's these little camps that happen. Uh, okay. And so did you ever get caught up in any of that? Or do you find yourself yes. fitting more firmly in one camp than the other? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like... I you could I guess I fall more in the classical approach, but I'm a, I'm like a combination of evidentialist and reformed epistemologist. Okay, but I don't think that there's any conflict between the two. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that, that's what, what convinced me of that what convinced me of that was actually a paper by I can't I, I can never remember the other guy that that co-wrote it with him, but Trent Doherty and another guy Trent Doherty was a big uh, a big evidentialist, and he was actually against reformed epistemology for a while. But he he or he and another guy it may have been Chris Tweed. They argued in a paper that evidentialism is fully compatible with reformed epistemology, and that's what ultimately convinced me that the two make a lot of sense together. Yeah, and so that that's the camp that I fall into. Though. Okay, which is yeah, on on first glance it's hilarious. It's like well, that doesn't seem because evidentialism and reformed epistemology seem like they're enemies, right? And yeah, um, yeah, and then get into that if you want. Yeah, yeah, we could get into that some of that. Um, well, well, let's just let's go there. So I wanted to talk about. Um, Reformed epistemology, but but arguments for God's existence, um, and mm-hmm. ones that you think have uh, have some some good foundations, ones that you think are are good arguments. And uh, also, man, did you know about them beforehand? Like, was was there one that you learned through this process? You're like, dang, that's really good. I'm going to use that. 
Yes. So there's one argument that I really, really like, and a lot of my listeners will know that I like it a lot. And that is the contingency argument. Mm-hmm. And the argu- the version of it that I like the most is from a guy named Josh Rasmussen, yeah. who I've had on my channel a bunch. He's amazing. And uh, his, his version of the argument was really what like convinced me that God's existence is very, very, very probable. Mm. And it's even to the point, like, it's to the point where a lot of atheists will accept like half of the argument, but then they'll get off at the second half. Yeah. And that to me is super, and that, that actually, in talking with another philosopher, his name is Rob Coons, that marks a specific like shift in the dialectic. So mm. before it was that atheists wouldn't even accept the first half of the argument. Like they yeah. wouldn't accept, and by half of the argument, I mean like the existence of a necessary being. That's where the contingency argument gets you to. Mm-hmm. So that's, or that the the first stage of the contingency argument gets you to a being that has to exist, foundation of everything, basically. Yeah. But it's necessary. It has to exist. A lot of atheists wouldn't even accept that. Like they wouldn't go that far. Mm-hmm. But now atheists like Graham Oppie and, uh, and some others, they're accepting that there's this, you know, the first stage of the argument, like that's, I'm happy to, to go along with that. But then they'll say, well, why do you have to, you know, why does this necessary foundation have to be God or, or have the traditional theistic attributes? Right. So that's where nowadays they're starting to more, more commonly jump off. But so that, that, and I think that just speaks to the, the strength of the argument. The argument is so powerful. It's amazing. I love it. And that's, yeah, that's, that's where I sit. And that, that was through my process of, uh, apologetics and philosophy that, that led me to that argument. It, it, it initially, it led me to the work of Alexander Proust, mm-hmm. and eventually I found the work of Josh Rasmussen. And Josh, Josh and I are now friends at this point. He and I talk. Yeah. He's on our board. He's amazing. He's I the man. So much. Yeah. And that, uh, I don't know. I mean, yes. I don't know if you've read it or not, but uh, I think their book's called Necessary Existence uh, with Rasmussen mm-hmm. and Proust. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just a, a amazing book, but then you find... Other stuff so that, difficult to read. Yeah, man. I had to like get into some modal logic stuff. And I was like, I have to anyways, because you got to read planning and, and all that stuff. But um, yeah. it's it's really, I love it. And it, it goes really well with um, like James Anderson type presuppositionalism. And you get into, mm-hmm. and, and I love it. And, and Which Josh I'm having should, him on the on the show, by dude, the way. I know it. I know. I'm, I'm stoked for that because James is the man. I, I think that guy is top notch. Um, he's so back again. Yeah. But I Josh is like, there was like that Twitter uh, war between, uh, you know, on the, the apologetics uh, March Madness thing. And it was Josh first, like side broken Kate, side 10 broken Kate. And, but, but Josh, I just saw a recent thing and he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm not a presuppositionalist myself, but I'm friendly to them. And cause he's a thinker and he wants to think through truth. And I really, really admire that guy. Cause you see the breadth of his work as well. And you're like, how mm-hmm. are you doing necessary existence stuff? And then doing this work over here. It's just because he's he's like I'm gonna go where where the thread leads me. I love that. That guy's awesome. He's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Right now he's like focused on uh, arguments from consciousness, so he's currently right. writing a book on that. And it, it makes no and sense he, to me. Yeah, it's amazing that he, he can he do th- that. Well, he thinks that now nowadays he's he's more convinced that the argument from consciousness is more powerful than the argument from contingency. Yes, I think he's right. Yeah. Yeah. He he may be, and he yeah. may convince me. Yeah. But I right now just like I can't find a way out of the contingency argument. Yeah. Well, dude. So. I've told you this online or uh, on Facebook, whatever messenger, but I think there's a way to do both. And I'm a stupid grad student, so I probably am not going to do it. But I think there's an argument from contingency in the philosophy of mind that I wrote a paper on, but I'm, I'm looking to work on it. I'm pretty stoked. It could be huge. It could be really, really stupid and I could fall right on my face. But those two are so interesting to me. 
And I didn't really like any kind of contingency arguments, uh, any kind of Kalam stuff or cosmological arguments until I started listening to your stuff. And I was like, dude, I don't even really know how to explain it. So why don't I just listen to it before I think it's dumb and I don't even know what it is. And then the contingency stuff, it's good. It's really good. You you had a funny little post, but it was actually, it was actually a good point about uh, bananas and the existence of God. You remember this one? <laughs> Yeah. It's like Ray Comfort. Ray Comfort. For yes. Who don't know, oh gosh. He had this banana, and it was, he was it was an apologetic from banana. And if it was true, if it worked out, it was a decent apologetic. He was talking about the grooves and the hand and how it's shaped. And then uh, atheists got hold of it, and made it all phallic and stuff. But it turns out that bananas have been genetically modified by us, probably for that reason. So it turned out to be kind of a, a silly argument. But then, do you remember what you said about about the contingency and oh. bananas? It was something like the real banana argument or something, something along those lines. But basically it just, it just pointed to the fact that bananas are contingent, Yeah, which just means that like it, it, you can do that with anything. It doesn't yes. have to be bananas. It can be basically anything that you look out at in the world that you experience this desk, this computer, this camera, these lights, mm -hmm. everything that we encounter on like a daily basis is contingent. So like bananas work the same way. Yeah. And so I was just kind of like playing on the fact that like you can still make a good argument for God's existence yes. from bananas and you don't have to be Ray Comfort. You don't have to be. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. It's the difference between like a teleological argument and a contingency argument, which is, it was just hilarious, but it's a really good point actually too. Would you say that a necessary being is a precondition for bananas? Because there's bananas, there must be a necessary being. I would say uh, once you combine it with the contingency argument, yes, yes, like dude. Once you com yeah, I yeah. love it. I love it. That's yeah, I mean, I mean, contingent. Yeah, contingency points to a necessary being. So yeah, so so, so some yeah. If you want to generalize, then yeah, yeah, I do. I love that. I love that. So that's the kind of work that needs to be done in high level presuppositional. Uh, arguments uh to fleshing them out and you're gonna have to have some contingency stuff that's okay you know like mm -hmm. that's how it works out but you want to say everything presupposes god and you go well how well this banana right here it's contingent and then you lead them down the path and you're showing how a necessary being is necessary if i'm holding this banana right now and mm -hmm. i love it so people can quibble with that but i think that well yeah Another similarity between you and I, because you you're still a presuppositionalist, right? I am, yeah. I didn't hear you. Yeah, I didn't know if you were saying that you had like moved away from that view or, or whatever. No, I at the, at certain, the beginning certain of this. forms of the view. Yeah, yeah, certain forms of the yeah, view. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've gotten a little bit more sophisticated or whatever else. Maybe, yeah. But, uh, so, well, I, so one way that, that I, so I, I accept a kind of transcendental argument. Whoa. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that the, the argument is, is about knowledge. So I think that God is... You, if you want to call it a precondition for knowledge, because I, I lean toward uh, proper functionalism, and I don't think mm -hmm. proper functionalism can really be had on atheism. Uh, so, so that's the kind of argument that I would that I would think is is a pretty good argument. So, like, you, knowledge yeah. requires proper function, proper function requires God, and so knowledge requires God. Basically, I, I love it. Like I that. think that's great. Did you get that from Craig? Did because Craig I got it from. No, I got it from planning it and Tyler McNabb kind of helped me yeah. think through that. I, I, I think, but I had, I had already like seen the bones of that argument in planning. Uh, and I was mm -hmm. like, look, cause he, he just didn't take it a step further to yeah. just argue, okay, we have an item of knowledge. Right. And if you have that premise, then you get the conclusion that God exists from yeah. his, from his arguments or from his, uh, 
his theory of warrant. If it's mm -hmm. like, if your theory of warrant is true, is correct, then all you've got to add to that is that you have some item of knowledge and then you like immediately pull God's existence out Dude, of it. Yeah. And, and it also functions as a kind of like transcendental argument too. Yeah. So yeah, it like kind of, yeah. Reformed epistemologists don't have to like be in a, don't have to fight presuppositionalists. Yeah, man. And at least, at least with respect to that. To right, you can fight other stuff for sure. But so, so Craig talks about that and uses that exact language in the Five Views uh, apologetics book, and he says he uses it to to slight Van Til, which is whatever. It's fine. You can take pokes. And he says, yeah, planning is the true one. You know, the, the true transcendental <laughs> argument here. And it makes sense that McNabb would do that because he was a presupper before uh, Reformed epistemology, okay. though. Though, as James Anderson shows, like the two can go together really nicely. Yeah. Um, which I'm excited about because I love reformed epistemologists because they do take it seriously. They take transcendental arguments in general seriously. Mm -hmm. And uh, some of some of the more evidential folks are like, get out of here with that stuff. And so I have found more friends in reformed epistemology. I'm really looking forward to interviewing James Anderson, too, because I think I think the, his argument has a lot going for it, too. Arguing yeah. from God or arguing to God from from logic. I think that there's I mean, did you? <sighs> I hate mentioning him. Did you watch the his debate with T Jump? I did. Yeah, yeah. So really that yeah, I was like, I was very very impressed with James though. Like yeah. he was just he knows so his patient. Very well, yeah. And he's oh patient. yeah, yeah. He's and patient, and it was very. It was he it wasn't, was. It wasn't gotcha great. stuff either, right? It was like, well, right. dude, if you believe this, then you're committed to thinking that sentences, and it's just going back and forth because he knows it so well. He wasn't. He wasn't intimidated, but he's also like, I'm going to try to help you with your position. What do you actually believe here? Mm -hmm. and what are you, what are you yeah. committing yourself to? Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I, and it, what I noticed about him is that he's like, he can track a dialectic really, really well. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, it depends on the day, I guess. But <laughs> most of the time, I'm just really bad at that. Like once it, once you start to get into the weeds, there's like too many different things mm. going all over the place. But someone like James can see like, okay, this go, you know, this is going this way, this is going this way, this is going yeah. this way. So let's start here and we'll come back to these other things. And like he can have all of that in his mind and I just yeah. can't do that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's difficult yeah. for me to to really track a, a dialectic like that. And, and someone like, like, uh, like T-Jump, like he's he's really good at getting you off of that, like getting you yeah. off your game and, and mm -hmm. chasing all of these different rabbit hole, rabbit trails. And you, so it's like, unless you're really good at being able to track a dialectic, yeah. then it's going to, you're going to get tripped up. Yeah. So I just think, yeah, that's like a superpower to me. Yeah. It, it, only, it is. only a few people have that. Well, I, I wrote this down because I wanted to mention it, but one of my friends is a PhD uh, philosopher. She's studying to be a philosopher. And he watched one of your debates. I don't want to say who because I don't want to embarrass anybody or anything. But he was like, you know, Cameron was following better than the Christian apologist uh, or the Christian philosopher who was on. He just was not getting this atheist point at all. But Cameron was getting it. So I wrote a note to to mention that, like, at least one philosopher thinks that you're you're pretty good. And on a particular episode, I can tell you off air or whatever. But he was like, dude, Cameron was doing a better job. He should have just spoke up. He should have just been the one debating. So I, I hope that uh, that hit there was you received that well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know my limitations because I, mm -hmm. I interact with like the smartest people alive. I feel like, yeah, so true. I'm like, that's what I, I, that's one of the things that I love about what I do is that yeah. I get to see all of these people's work. And so I, I'm, I feel like I'm pretty well grounded in like what my role is in the kingdom of God yeah. and also like in relation to other people. And it's really easy to, to like 
get this kind of competitive attitude, I feel like that's just really normal Mm -hmm. is to like immediately compare yourself to like, okay, what's your intellect level compared to this other person's intellect level. Right. And if you don't, if you don't like keep that in the forefront of your mind or like try to avoid that kind of thing, that competitive spirit or whatever, then it can, you know, that that's, I, I think that's just feeds into pride and, and stuff. So I try to, I try to like stay away from that and just like acknowledge that we all have, this is, this is one of the things that I've kind of noticed mm-hmm. about apologetics and philosophy that is going to be like the future. The future to me is like an army of specialists and everyone mm-hmm. has their, like their thing that they're amazing at. Yeah. And you know, for, for me and my channel, I think that I try to pre- you know, you, um, present stuff in a unique way that's very like accessible to people and they can yeah consume it, but it's not at a, like a basic level. It's like a little bit more intermediate. And so there's like, but there's all of these different things that people do. Whereas like someone, I, I think of William Lane Craig as like a jack of all trades. He can yeah. basically like talk about almost any different subject, metaphysics or history or whatever else. And it's just like, he just has such a commanding knowledge of all of these different things. Mm-hmm. But I think the future of apologetics and philosophy is just going to be like an army of specialists where all of yeah. these people have these specific things they're just incredible at. And so we can highlight all of them, you know, not necessarily all at once, but in little different ways. And it's yeah. just going to feed into like the overall project of exposing the world to the amazingness of uh, analytic Christian philosophy. And yeah. so that's, that's, that's my goal. And that's what I, I see as kind of the future of where everything's going. Yeah, I don't know if that, I love that, that seems like a rant, but Dude, rants are good. The, I, I love rants. My audience loves rants. It's it's gold. Um, I I think what you said about Craig is true too, man. Like he, even though I disagree with him on so much, even to disagree yeah, with him, and it's is so, so hard. Good. like it's it's very healthy to like disagree. Yeah. If you can find a place where you disagree with someone like Craig, uh, to me, and it's not just like a superficial level disagreement, right? Yeah, if you can right. like really find a hearty disagreement where you understand his view, mm-hmm. it, you know, that to me is very, very healthy. Yeah. That, that kind of disagreement. And that I saw that with, uh, I feel like I'm, I'm cutting you off a lot, but Dude, cut me I just want to, I just want to make this point about, about Wayne Lane Craig. Cause I'm such yeah. a fanboy. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, well, so his, his, uh, did you watch his, de- his debate or dialogue with Alex O'Connor? No, I didn't. I, I don't. I don't watch Alex O'Connor that much, and he freaks me out a little bit, to be honest. <laughs> he's, he's my favorite he's atheist. Sharp. Like, he's by far my favorite atheist. How how he's, old is he? Uh twenty two. I don't know. Twenty one. That he's so smart and he's that young. It just it gets to me. I I want to. I've listened to some of his stuff, but he's sharp, yeah. dude. Okay, well, you need to watch his uh, his dialogue with Craig, and mm-hmm. so he disagreed with Craig, but he at least did like the work of understanding what his view was. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. had a substantive disagreement, and then at the end, Doctor Craig just like kind of, you know, did what he does, and he was like, "Well, look, this view kind of kind of did what James Anderson does. He's uh-huh. like, look, this view commits you to this, yeah, and that's a bite. You know, that's a bullet that you've got to bite. And yeah. it, you know, if you want to do that, that's fine. Yeah, but don't think that like anyone else has to do that with you. Right. But it, it's also just important to to point out like what are the commitments that your view is committing you to, and is that something that you actually want to do? You know, like if if you want to be an atheist." you've got to accept all of these other different things that you didn't know that you needed to, to accept in order to be an atheist. Yeah. But some of these things like, like meteorological nihilism, which mm-hmm. is the view that, that Alex was giving in his, his talk with him. It's like, if you want to deny that this chair exists, you can do that. I don't, I don't need to, but you will. <laughs> right. Hey, you can do it. Do you, you know, yeah. but, but say it. Yeah. 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 Say it Mike. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great, man. And, 
I, I will listen to that one. Uh, it reminded me, actually, I think the best thing, I don't know, one of the best things you've done was introduce uh, Craig's uh, argument from math, uh, the oh, unreasonable. Yeah. It's a, it, it's amazing, and that's next, dude. That's the next thing. The math arguments are bomb. They're super, super good, and I'm super see, excited I'm, for those. See, I don't know about those. I, oh, they just confuse man. the heck out I of me. Them. I don't. I still more don't understand. Like, what the more conceptual, the better for me. I love it. I want to get out. The, I want to get abstract. The contingency argument is like everything to me because I the concepts are, are relatively. You know, it's, mm. it's some new terminology you got to use or learn, mm. but that that to me is just like the straight shot to mm. God's existence. There's, math, there's, the math argument is so, oh, it's so it's conceptually okay. difficult to, but, but, and maybe that's math, just a personal thing. It probably is. Right. Right. And that's the thing. That's what you, you mentioned earlier about everyone's going to be like a specialist. You, Oh, I, I froze, but yep. you, are you there? Yeah. Yeah. I can hear you. Probably, I saw the, the timer was still going. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Pete, God made us with different proclivities, right? So some people like yeah. more abstract and that's cool, but the math one's good because there's, do you know, do you know the Weinstein? Brothers? Well, it makes sense because you're a presuppositionalist and math is necessary. Bro, that's right. Let's go. Uh, there it is. <laughs> do, do you, do you know like the, the Weinstein brothers, Eric, Eric and Brett Weinstein? Uh, no, they're kind of, they're in, like intellectual, intellectual dark web web type folks. Um, but Eric Weinstein is, is really big. In like the, I do know him. He commented yeah. on my stuff a while back. Oh wow, that's huge. Yeah, and he's, he's yeah kind he of, was uh, he was on my my Facebook page and he was like commenting some some little things and I was like, I don't know. He just struck me the wrong way. Yeah, he can do that for I, sure, I, for sure. Uh, but but he's he's a non-religious Jew and he's a mathematician and he's got a huge following and it's like, dude, I want Craig to talk with him so desperately bad because he's a mathematician. Mm. And I want that mm-hmm. kind of thing happening because he's got a huge reach. He's like a secular William Lane Craig and he's got his, his audience. He's got his people. Right. And like when, when Craig talked with Peterson, that's when my mind changed on him where I was like, yes, that's what theologians and philosophers should have been doing this whole time. Why hmm. didn't this happen more? So that, that just changed my perspective. And then when he was on, uh, when he was on premiere, what is it? Uh, unbelievable with uh what's his name uh roger penrose dude you're you're so bad with names yeah i'm i'm my wife knows that, yeah <laughs> with roger penrose i'm i'm bad too i'm bad too it's I only say names, that names I, don't I say anything at. i could know your whole story but your name like cameron doesn't describe you at all i could look at you and you don't look like a cameron you know um but craig turned into a presuppositionalist when he's talking with uh penrose and i was like he's a conceptualist where craig is notoriously a deflationary theorist and I was like, Craig, like, what are you talking about, bro? That's like Greg Welty. That's James Anderson. I was so excited for it. But I'm hoping that the uh, the math argument brings him towards full conceptualism, conceptual realism, which would be dope. Mm. So we'll see. Mm. We'll see, man. But it's going to happen on your channel, and I'm going to watch it. I'm going to share it, and it's going to be awesome. <laughs> with with that guy, Eric, whatever his name is. Is that his name? Eric Steinberg? Eric, Eric Weinstein, dude. If you can set Weinstein. that one up. That would be insane. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, ex- I'll, I'll send me send me a message about it. I'll see yeah, what I can do. Yeah, yeah. As as we uh, finish out here, I know you got you got stuff going on. I wanted to get your thoughts on further study. You you said you know your place in the kingdom. Does that mean 
like, do you, do you want to be a philosopher? Do you want to go into philosophy or are you cool where you're at? I mean, you're, you're totally, doing philosophy totally cool stuff, where I'm right? at. Okay. I do. Yeah. So I, 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 I'm a complete autodidact. I learned everything I know just by reading books and interacting with people, which uh, I, I, in talks with another philosopher friend of mine, Andrew Moon, mm-hmm. he's like some of the best, like you can learn a whole lot of philosophy just by talking philosophy with people. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like I've, I've done that with my, with my channel. So mm-hmm. like, I don't read as much as I used to nowadays, but mm-hmm. since I talk to so many people about this stuff, it, that's kind of the way that I'm consuming this information and, yeah. and, uh, and learning it right now. Yeah. So what was your question? Well, it was just about furthering, uh, like further study. Like if you wanted to uh, go okay. on and, and get a formal degree, even though, I mean, you're doing oh, all the work of that right now, but. Yeah, I th- I've thought about that on several different occasions. Mm-hmm. And every time I come back to like, I don't, it's not something that's necessary for what I do, yeah. you know? Right. And and also a, one of the benefits of, of not having a degree is that it kind of encourages people to just like do apologetics on your own, so even true. if you're not. So true. You know, I'm a, my background's in photography. Yeah. Yet I can still read a book. You know, I can still read uh, God, Freedom, and Evil by yeah. Alvin Planning and and still like put the effort and work into understanding what he's arguing. Yeah. And and get a whole lot of out of it. And I I don't have to have a degree in this stuff right. in order to engage at this level. So and I want to encourage other people to to do the same thing. So there's benefits to like to not having a degree. I think. Yeah. And. Yeah, so I've I've gone back and forth, but I, I just plan on kind of doing what I'm doing in, in the in terms of like further study and everything. So I'll just read on my own and consume what I can and do it that way. I think that's huge. And I think that is encouraging. That was one thing that made me pretty sad about coming to seminary was before people I, I would read all the time. I had all these books anyways, and I was reading. Uh, I was an autodidact, which is a great word. But uh, people would say, oh, are you in seminary? And I'd be like, no. And they'd be like, well, why are you reading? I'm like, because I'm a Christian. And I like doing that. And they would be challenged by that. And now, why, why do you have all these books? Well, I mean, uh, I like to read, right? Are you in seminary? Yeah. And it's like, oh, that makes sense. And it's to give you, uh, did you, did you catch any of that? Yeah, I heard everything, but your, your video. Man, we cut out again. Okay. 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 Sorry. I, that was something yeah, I, I was sad about that now it makes sense for me to study. But for you, man, like you don't have that degree. doesn't make sense. You just like doing it. Yeah. Did, yeah I'm sorry, it, man. It, it, I must be my Wi-Fi. It's all good. It's all good. I was having some connection stuff earlier, so I don't, it could be me. I don't, I have no idea. Okay. We just moved to a new house. And so I think it is actually you, but yeah. So dang it. Okay. Well, we're, we're almost done here anyways, man. I just, um, can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah, I can hear, I can hear you, but the video is kind of going in and out. All right. I see you moving. Yeah, I'm, I'm here. Okay. Okay. Well, um, I want to, okay. I wanted to end on actually seeing you and stuff, but I think I see you now maybe. Um, dude, I, I wanted to say, uh, you know, I, I appreciate what you're doing for so many reasons. But um, thanks, thanks for doing it, man. Thanks for you, you've you've been uh, you've been paving the way for us. And I know that you had some help from other dudes, but your channel is different. Your channel is different than the other guys who have helped you, and it's it's really encouraging to see. But it's also just really fun. I really just uh, I have some downtime. I'm gonna go check something out. I'm gonna go check Cameron's thing because I know he's got good conversations. So while I'm getting a workout in, I'm talking about contingency. I'm thinking about it and. It's awesome, man. It's really good content, and 
I appreciate it. It's huge. Awesome. Yeah. That, that makes me feel really good. And I, I, I'm, I, I always don't know what to say in those types of situations, but just thanks. <laughs> I'm glad that you, yeah, I'm glad that you get something out of it. I mean, I'm, I'm doing it because I, I'm doing it because I love it and I think it's important yeah. work. You know, I think it's important to like get this stuff out of here because I, I think yeah. that if, if my brother had been in contact with this kind of stuff before yeah. he had started going down the route that he did, then he may not be an atheist right now. So I just, I just see a whole lot of value in it. And yeah, so yeah. I, it's, it's just great to hear that, that uh, it's, it's helping you and that you're getting a lot out of it. That's just, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, dude, I'm so sorry. That it's so glitchy. Um, but uh, <laughs> it's Cameron, people know who you are, but if they don't and they're watching this, like where where's the best place to find your, your stuff? I would say just go to the YouTube channel because they're watching this more than likely on YouTube. Or if you're listening to it on a podcast, then just go open your YouTube app and type in capturing okay. Christianity. And it'll be the first thing that pops up. And just uh, you can subscribe. You can just check out all the videos yeah. that we've got in our backlog. And yeah, I mean, you can, you can search by most popular if you want to, but, but I, I definitely wouldn't uh, necessarily suggest that I would just start looking through the different topics and find something that, uh, that interests you. And I think that you'll more than likely you'll get a whole lot out of it. It's probably going to challenge you in a lot of different ways. Uh, I, actually, that's, that's a good question. What, who, who, who is your audience, Parker? Yeah. Can you hear me? Who I think you said who is my artist? It broke out, but who is your audience? Did Did you ask me who my artist is? No, who is your audience? Audience, audience. Um, I don't know, man. Yeah, I'm. I'm not. That's sure. something we'll talk about. I know that you're supposed to know that, but I have people that. Yeah, well, I have people that I like disciple. I, I work for Athletes in Action Ministry rep in here, and so I'll have guys that are in college, you know, over here at Northwestern, all the way up to seminary professors and philosophers, and some of my. Some of my uh, best listeners are guys that I've had on the show. And they're like my biggest cheerleaders, and it's amazing. But yeah, yeah, so I think that your audience place. is probably your your audience and my audience are probably a lot uh, very very similar. So like you target not just like beginners, but people. But you probably, probably target more more people who are interested in theology yeah. and philosophy as opposed to necessarily just apologetics. So which apologetics dips into all these different yeah, categories true. anyway? So it's so it's it may be a meaningless distinction mm -hmm. there. But uh, so I think that we share a lot of the same audience. Yeah. And the the point that I was making is that uh, it's going to chat like regardless of where you're at, if you're a beginner or if you're intermediate, a lot of the videos that you'll watch on my channel will challenge you. And I think that you're probably accustomed to that watching the videos that you are on Parker's channel. You're going to be challenged, but it's it's going to be worth it. And yeah, I mean, I I can't get enough of this. I, I like dream about it. So. So, yeah. Yeah, but thanks thanks again for having me on, Parker. It's been awesome. Yeah. Dude, this Yeah, I'm again, I'm so sorry about this this Wi-Fi is being terrible right now, but uh hopefully hopefully you can hear me. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast, man. Uh I hope this is like the first of many. I, I would love to have you back on to talk all sorts yes. of stuff. Um it's been it's been awesome talking with you. Yeah, thanks for having me on again and uh All right. Uh I'm looking yeah, I'm looking so, forward so to So this to has been Parker's Pensies. Uh Oh, there we go. <laughs> yes. 
Awesome. All right. Uh, sorry for the listeners. Um, I'm I'm going to work on that that Wi-Fi as well. Uh, this has been Parker's Pensies, and as always, all glory to God.